0: Because we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And, um, and so we're going we're to see what God has to say to us today under the title of Made Clean. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 1 verses 39 to 45. Um, but before we do that, let me ask you a question. How, how important is human touch to us? How important is it to us to have Human contact. Very. Okay, very. I'm seeing nods and I'm hearing very. Yes. And now, you may not be a touchy-feely person. You may not like handshakes or hugs or whatever, and that is totally fine. But in your life... You, um, you all have uh, probably close friends or family who you can you can uh, cry on their shoulder, or who maybe you can hold hands with, or you can give them a hug, or or whatever. Right? It, it, look, that that's just that is just. The nature of who we are. That's just nature of what we're created to be. I was thinking about that in relation to the passage that we're going to look at in a moment. And I was trying to remember a study that I've heard of um, uh, in the past. And I did a little research and uh, there's no proof that this has. So this is probably an apocryphal um, study uh, of, of uh, they, they studied they. Um, again, this uh, you can you can search it out and see if you can find evidence of this may or may not ha- have happened, but uh, an apocryphal study of of babies. Um, and the scientists decided, uh, how important is human touch in uh, the development of a, of, of a child? And so they had all these newborn babies, and they were taking care of them in this nursery, in this, in this setting. And, and, and 20 of them were, were held and cuddled and spoken to and, and given all the things they needed. And the other ones were simply given um, a, a change of diaper, um, a, uh, given their food, their nourishment, um, and, they were, and they were told, the nurses and whoever else were told, uh, do not talk to the babies, do not hold them, do not cuddle them, do not... And um, at the end of the study, the ones that didn't get the human touch, many of them died. Now, there is such a thing as failure to thrive. We've seen that. Um, And that has been documented over and over and over again with developing babies and infants and toddlers who don't have somebody speaking to them, don't have somebody um, saying, I love you, don't have somebody saying, I care about you, you're important, don't have somebody reaching out and touching them. (coughs) Awkwardly. I did that to you. Just, just for you, Micah. Um, don't have somebody offering that human touch that we need so desperately. But yet, they're treated like outsiders, they're outcasts, um, and they don't thrive. They don't develop. Their brains don't develop. Their bodies don't develop into what God designed them and intended them to be. How tragic is that to lack human touch? The, uh, in the story today, we encounter a leper. A man with some kind of uh, infectious skin disease. It's hard to say what. The Bible doesn't make it clear. The Bible's not necessarily giving us scientific descriptions of these things. But he is in a place in his life where he has no human touch. Where he has no contact with his family. He has no contact with the people of God. And he has no connection to God Himself. What happens when a man like that meets Jesus? Let's find out. Let's look together at Mark chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 39, which we actually ended with last week. But um, we're going to repeat that verse because it's sort of a pivot verse. It it connects um, what came before to what's coming next Today, So if you would, um, would you stand with me um, as we read and hear God's word? Uh, Stand and um, let me read this aloud as you follow along with me. Mark chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And the leper came to him imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, And offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we uh, love You. We love Your Word. Thank You for showing this to us. And Lord, I pray that You'll speak to us during this time. Lord, that the words that I say will not be a barrier to you speaking to us but God that you'll speak to me that the things that come out of my mouth will be honoring to you will be glorifying to you will edify us and that your spirit will use your word to change us we love you and praise you give you glory in Jesus name amen go ahead and have a seat well we're made clean by Jesus I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line of this passage, that we are made clean by Jesus. And I could add a lot of other things to that. Only Jesus, only Jesus can make us clean. But made clean. What, was, what made this leper clean? Or why was he needing to be clean? Why not, why not if you will, you can heal me? Why not being healed? Why does He say, uh, heal me? Why does He say, make me clean? Well, Jesus is going out throughout Galilee. He's on His preaching and His um, casting out demons tour. Which must have been pretty wild, but that's what he's doing. He's going throughout all Galilee, and he's going into all of the synagogues. He's going to every town, and he's getting there, and he's teaching, and he's proclaiming the good news. And while he's doing that, he's exercising the demons. He's casting them out. There's, a, there's, there's all this going on. And we saw how he was healing people. He healed many people over and over. Uh, we saw that uh, last week. But now he comes across a man who we would think, well, he's, a, he's got a skin disease or something like that, so he must need to be healed, right? Well, it's not quite like that. It's not that he needed to be healed. He needed to be clean. So where do we find out about cleanness or uncleanness? Five different times, four different times, at least four different times here, is mentioned the idea of being made clean. So I go, I'm scratching my head, and I'm wondering where do I find out about that? And I got a little note at the bottom of my, of my Bible that says, check out Leviticus 13. It's pretty ballin'. And you'll see some pretty cool stuff there. And I do. I check out Leviticus 13 and I see all of these instructions on, on what to do with people who have skin diseases. And I will not read that for you now, because I I think that would be a great devotional passage for you to read on your own later today. Read Leviticus 13 and read Leviticus 14, and then if you're really bold, you'll go on to chapter 15, and and, uh, that's a good thing to read um, by yourself, and then... um, then teach it to your children in the way that they will understand. Um, But there you'll find all kinds of uh, crazy and wonderful things there. And here's the deal. Somebody had a skin disease. Somebody had a rash. Somebody had, um, I mean, think about today. It's not just leprosy. It's not just the, the clinical definition of leprosy that we think of today, where somebody in a... it it loses, loses feeling in their arms or legs or their body. And then they touch things and they get burned and they get infections and they don't know it. And, and pretty soon they, they start losing limbs and it's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Well, back then in, in, in ancient Israel and ancient Near East, even the time of Jesus, uh, they, they weren't sure how this happened. They, they weren't, they didn't have modern technology and antibiotics and things like that. So anything that appeared on somebody's skin was suspect. Like, what is that? A rash. Uh, uh, dry skin. It, wh- wh- what's the deal with that? How are we going to fix that? Wh- is that infectious? Because um, I was hanging out with so-and-so and I saw this thing on his arm or his neck and, and I was hanging out with him and now I've got it. And now, well, what do we do? And so there are these rules that God put in place for for his people to protect them and and a, and ways to kind of determine whether this was going to be passed on or whether it's contagious or whether it was contained. So all of these rules were in place and the people would have this situation they they come to the priest. The priests were not only they were not only the the religious leaders, but they were the civic leaders and and in a sense they were like they were health inspectors or health officials as well, and they would make a determination of whether or not this person uh, had an unclean uh, situation or if they were clean and so they would they would um, determine that they would look at the person they say, okay here's what we want you to do we want you to." Um, uh, uh, wash all your clothes, go outside the camp and wash your body and do all of this stuff. Um, there'd be all of these things that they would do, and then seven days later, I want you to come back and we'll inspect you. And so they'd come back, and if that thing was there still, and if it were, if it was getting worse, then they'd go, Well, you're unclean. You're an unclean person, so guess what? You've got to move yourself outside of the camp, outside of the people, away from the people. You're going to live on your own. You can't be here. You're going to have to leave your family. You're going to have to leave your work. You're going to have to leave your, your family's home and your inheritance. And you're no longer allowed in the city. You cannot come to Jerusalem. That was, eventually the rule was, you cannot come to Jerusalem. No one, no one can come inside the city. And if the city had walls, you could not come inside of that city. If it didn't have walls, you might be allowed to come in. In fact, you might even be allowed to come in to the synagogue, but you'd have to hang out behind a screen so nobody could see you or look at you or smell you or, you know, there'd be a barrier between them. But even that was a rarity because it was written in Leviticus that if you were declared unclean, you would have to raise your hand above your upper lip and when somebody came near you, got within 50 yards or or so of you, you had to yell out unclean, unclean and warn them. Warn them that you were coming near. Why? So that they could walk the other way. So that they wouldn't get what you got. So that In coming in contact with somebody, the human touch with somebody unclean would make you unclean. And so, that wasn't... I'm going to touch you again. That, that, That was so... It was such a serious thing. They took that to the nth degree. They were so frightened about this. We don't want that. We don't want to be unclean. Well, what was it about clean and unclean? Well... If you go back before Leviticus 13 and you look at, say, Leviticus 11, God begins to talk to the people about what is clean and unclean. He talks about clean food and unclean food. He says you can eat these kinds of things and you can't eat these kinds of things. That's where the, the Jewish food laws come from. They're all based right out of the Old Testament, right out of Leviticus. And at the end of, at the end of Leviticus chapter 11... Jesus says something very profound. In fact, I'm going to flip back to it right here. He talks about the clean and unclean things, and he says to them this, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, make yourselves holy, therefore, and be holy for what? I am holy. He says, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. So we see in the New Testament, we see this leper saying, "Uh, if you will, you can make me clean. What he's asking for is, make me so that I can be holy like God is holy again. So that I can be close to a holy God again. Because I have nothing. I'm out here all alone. Maybe with other peop- other lepers, other people like Him. Like the unclean can all hang out together because, you know, they're already unclean. They can't be with their families. They can't be in the temple. They can't go to the holy city. They cannot be with God. They have no access to Him. So, you see the, see the issue of clean and unclean? If you're unclean, you don't have access to God. But if He could be made clean, if He could be made clean, that would change everything. It would restore Him to His family. It would restore Him to His life. It would restore Him to His inheritance. It would be, restore Him to God's people Could you imagine, could you imagine on a Sunday morning, we have rules about certain people and we're like, no, 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 you got something wrong with you, so now you have to sit in the, maybe you don't have to imagine that, because that kind of thing has been happening in churches in our country for a few generations, where certain people are said, no, you can sit there. You can be in the balcony. Or you can sit on the back row. Those of you on the back row, that, you can come forward. You're welcome to come forward, okay? Do you see what I'm saying? Could you imagine that? I don't, we don't want to imagine that. It, it, it does happen, maybe not quite like that. We're not using those words. We're not discriminating against lepers. We're not using clean and unclean, those terms. But in our hearts, sometimes we, we act that way and treat people like they have no business coming to God the way they are. So, what does this leper do? This leper came to him, sought Jesus out. He probably heard. Everybody was hearing about this man who was healing and who was casting out evil spirits and who was preaching about the kingdom of God. So he comes to him, imploring him, asking him, begging him, and kneeling before him. Well, guess what? You don't we don't see the man saying unclean unclean Jesus don't come near me don't co- you might get what I get He's risking a lot to come to Jesus He's coming directly up to him And here was the thing That was a big no-no obviously the law said don't do it because you come in contact with a clean person, you make them unclean. And guess what they have to do? They have to find a priest. And they have to go through the rituals. And now they're going to be outside the city and outside the camp for seven days or more. Until they get declared clean by a priest again. So he risks so much. you see the desperation do you see that? And, and, and on top of that, that humility coming before him, bowing before him, kneeling down, saying, you can do this. I am a mess. I need you to make me clean. And then he says, if you will, not if you can, not if you're able to, if you're really the son of God, can you make me clean? No. No. If you will it, if you want, if you desire to do this, if this is what you want, Jesus, you can do it. He comes to him with desperation. He comes to him with humility. He comes with him to him with faith. He knows that only, only God can make him clean. Maybe he has gone to the priests. By the way, The priests were not just in Jerusalem. We have biblical evidence from that. Zechariah, Luke chapter 1, lived in the hill country around Judea. And he traveled to Jerusalem a couple times a year. Um, We know that priests lived all over the place. They lived in their ancestral homes and they lived in these places places that were dedicated cities for the the Levites from ancient times. So it's possible to find a, a priest to make that declaration without having to go all the way to Jerusalem. And so it's possible that this man had gone and said, here's my situation. The priest said, okay, go do this and go wash and do this and then see you in seven days. Comes back, nope, you're still unclean. Go away. Uh, Maybe try this this time. And they go and they try that thing and they come back. And we don't know. We don't know what his story is. I, I can only imagine that maybe he tried that several times. And he knew that the priest could declare me clean or unclean, but they couldn't make me clean. So he comes in faith to Jesus, knowing that Jesus can do something about it. Well, here's the thing. When we come, we are made clean by Jesus when we come to Him in desperation, humility, faith. I don't believe that any of us will ever be made clean by God. God will never do anything in our lives if we don't have some sense of desperation. There may be sin that you're dealing with. You're just not desperate about it. You're not desperate enough to come to Jesus. There may be some relational problems that you've got going on and you're like, well, I think if I do this or if I do that, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. God's, you're not going to see God do something in that something supernatural until you're desperate enough to come to Him. You may be dealing with family issues. Maybe your children. Where are my children at? i got two of them right here. Um, maybe you're dealing with Children. And they're just driving you crazy. And you're going, what in the heck is going on? And you try this and you try that and you try that. And until we're desperate enough to see God's counsel and to see Him do something, maybe we'll still, maybe we'll just keep doing that. Circling around. Going, when is this ever going to change? And say, well, this is just the way my life is now. This is just my lot in life. He comes, the leper comes, like that to Jesus, and here's here's a, a a fascinating thing. I wish I would. I wish I had a diagram I could show you. If you could imagine with me, a bullseye. Everyone seen a bullseye, a, a, a target. Okay, it's got the bullseye, and then it's got the the concentric rings around it. Imagine at the center of that target and that bullseye is God this is the This is the target of holiness, if you will, and the center of that target is God. He is holy, and then surrounding that is that holy place of, say, the temple in ancient israel and And who could go into that place, the high priests, right? And then outside of that is some more priests, but not maybe not the high priests. And then the next ring out would be um uh well, sorry. I hate to tell you ladies, but the next ring out is the men. And the men can go a little bit closer. They're holy and they can go to the, that place. And then outside that is the rest of the women. Now, if any of these men or women or priests are unclean in any way, whoop, they go to the outside. Because outside of the women are the Gentiles and the unclean people. They cannot, they cannot go to God. They cannot, take step, they cannot reach the holy and so, so they miss it. They miss the mark and they remain unclean. But what if but what if the holy came outside of that center and went to the outside of the circle? What if the holy, the bullseye, drifted, went went Maybe, Maybe, in the words of last last week's message, came out from the center and moved to the outside to where the unclean people are. What would happen? Would, would the bullseye suddenly become unclean? No. Suddenly, now, those people out there have access to the holy. They have access to the clean, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He is coming to the people on the outside. Well, it, from our perspective, what it really it looks like. To be made clean, it looks like what we have to do is we have to come to Jesus, that we have to seek Him out. And we do that in this particular way, and with our in humility and, and in faith and believing that He can do something. And yes, He do, but the reality is that we, we come to Jesus because He has come outside from the holy places. He has come from heaven and He's come to be with us. And so, what do we we see there in those, those middle verses? Jesus is moved with pity. He stretches out His hand and He touches him. And He doesn't become unclean. He doesn't get what the leper has. Instead, He makes the leper clean. When Jesus touches us, and speaks to us, we are made clean. That is powerful. That is what the leper is experiencing. Look, only God can heal. And we see right here, Jesus doing what only God can do. Only God can make clean. And we're seeing Jesus do something here that only God can do. He says, I will, I do desire, I do want this for you. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. The thing that made him unclean is gone now, it's removed. And Jesus then gives him a warning. Now, remember, he's really concerned. He's, he's been telling people, don't, don't tell people who I really am. Because that's hampering, It's preventing the mission. It's keeping me from being able to do what I want to do, which is to go throughout all Galilee and preach in the synagogues and cast out demons. So don't say anyone to anything. But what he does, he says, go do this. Do exactly what Leviticus said to do. Show yourself to a priest. There's an offering that you need to bring. And if you're very poor, it's a very simple offering that you can do and go to them, do what Moses commanded as a proof or a testimony, as a witness to them of what God did in your life. So, he wants him to go to the priest. He wants him to obey that Old Testament law so that they can see that God did something. Like I said before, priests could only declare a person clean, but Jesus makes a person clean. He does that when He touches them. He does that when He speaks to them. And He does the same to us. So, what does He do? <laughs> what would you do? What would you do if something life-changing happened to you, I would imagine that you would talk freely about it. I would imagine that you would spread the news. And that's exactly what the leper does. How do we wrestle with that? Now, I've been wrestling with this all week long. How do we, how do we uh, take that, that verse, verse 45a, The first part of verse 45. But, in contrast to what Jesus told him to do, he did something different. He just couldn't help it. He couldn't help it. He had to tell people. He talked freely. Um, I know this isn't obvious and I. I, I try not to um, try not to get into the weeds when it comes to like say original languages, but I'm going to t- I'm going to give you something. I'm going to show you something about this word right here that's not obvious because we're not reading Greek. The word "talk" is the exact same word that G- that is used in verse 39 when Jesus is preaching in verse. Uh, 14, when Jesus is proclaiming the gospel of God. He went out and he announced, and he proclaimed freely what God had done to him in Christ. This is the first person changed by Jesus who's preaching in the gospel of Mark. (laughs) Besides Jesus himself. Pretty awesome. It wasn't the disciples. It wasn't the apostles. It was a a man who was made clean. But how do we wrestle with that? He disobeyed Jesus. Shame on him. Well, he did. He did. And because of that, Jesus' ministry in the the cities and the towns was hampered. And now he couldn't go into the cities like he wanted to. He couldn't go into the synagogues in the way he wanted to. He had to pull back and he had to regroup and he had to distance himself. And and it says that he was left out in desolate places. So there were some some consequences for this disobedience. But what is so beautiful about it is that he is basically... I'm going to call him a preemptive witness. Okay? So, it wasn't the right time in Jesus' grand strategy, but we will see that it didn't escape his sovereignty. It didn't escape his, his ultimate plans and what he wants to teach us through this passage. But I see him as a preemptive witness. This leper who is talking freely and spreading the news, he is a, an archetype. Or, or, or somebody that is, he's an example to us of a spirit-filled witness that Jesus empowers and commands after his death and resurrection. When he says to his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. When he says in Acts 1.8... And he says, you shall be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you'll be filled and powered by my spirit to speak the word boldly. This man, in his desperation, sought Jesus. And he's so impertinent that he just goes off and he tells people about it as well. When Jesus does something like that in our lives, when He changes us so profoundly, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Does that sound familiar? Acts chapter 4, verse 20 or so. Check me on it. We are made clean by Jesus when we come to Him in desperation, humility, and faith. When Jesus touches us and speaks to us, we are made clean clean because Jesus became an outcast for us. You see the positions changed. A leper, an outcast, a man who had no connection to God and His people and His family, now is restored to His family. Has met God in the flesh while Jesus now is left to desolate places outside the city. Do you see the substitution that, it's, that took place in the story? Do you see how Jesus comes? He touches, he makes clean, and then he says, I'll take your place. I'll live outside the city, I'll live in desolate places. So that you can be restored in every way possible to your family and to God and His people. The Bible says that cursed, cursed is everyone, anyone who is hung on a tree. The fact is that Jesus, in going to the cross and taking all of our uncleanness on Himself, became uncleanness in the flesh. That He took on our, our form to come and die and take all of that uncleanness on Himself. Every sin that we struggle with. everything that makes us unclean. Every, every thought that, that, is, that goes astray. Every inclination of our will to do our own thing. Every word every action that's done in public or in secret every sin that separates us from God he took upon himself and there he is not dying in the city but dying outside the city of Jerusalem in darkness in separation Crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, my friends, is Jesus. That is how we are made clean. Because he did that for us. What is he saying to you? Have you come to him? Have you put your faith in Him? Are you desperate enough to seek Him out? If not, I want to invite you to be honest with yourself. Be honest with your own heart and recognize that you have sin in you that you will never, ever deal with on your own. No person alive can help you become who you want to be. No person can make you clean in that sense. No, no person can restore you, not even yourself. But Jesus can. And then, have you experienced that touch? And yes, we, we probably are going to have to think of that in metaphorical ways right now until we see him face to face after he returns. But He is speaking to us, and through His Spirit, He's touching our hearts. Have you experienced that? Has that transformed you? Has that made all the difference? And if it has made all the difference, are you walking in that? Are you living in that? Because now, Jesus gives a, gives no, puts no restrictions on our testimony. No restrictions whatsoever. And he wants us to talk freely and he wants us to spread the news about what he's done in us. Are you living every day in light of the Jesus who became an outcast and died for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are desperate for you we must be desperate for You. Even after we find You, even after we are restored, even after You touch us and, and speak to us and, and Your Word transforms our heart, even after that we c- continue to come back, we never lose our humiliation and our, the status of, of being a creature before our Creator. We will always be that before you. We will always be desperate for you. We will always uh, have a hunger, but we know that that hunger will be satisfied, that that thirst will be quenched in you as we come to you. God, stir that up in us. May we see you as worth infinitely more than anything we can experience on this earth. Bring us close to You. Let us see You in all of Your glory. Thank You for dying for us outside the city. Thank You for being our Savior. We love You. And we give You praise. We give You glory for all that You have done and will do as we put our faith and trust in You and walk with You.